The first reading is the heartfelt prayer of Queen Esther, begging the Lord. The psalm is a song of thanksgiving that the Lord answered the prayer that I made. On the day I called for help, Lord, you answered me. And the gospel is Jesus telling us to ask and seek and knock. So it's very clear that the Lenten liturgy for today is about prayer. It makes sense that we would reflect once again on prayer because prayer is one of the essential elements of the Lenten journey. It's one of the essential elements of the Christian life. I remember reading the, the uh, famous treatise on prayer from St. Augustine, and he reflects on a lot of things. He reflects on the Lord's Prayer, and he reflects on why we pray and how we pray. At one point, he, he uh, recalls St. Paul's uh, statement that we do not know how to pray as we ought. We do not know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit prays within us with groanings that cannot be expressed in speech. You know that passage. Anyway, St. Uh, Augustine says, well, how can he say we don't know how to pray as we ought? We've been taught the Lord's Prayer. That's what we had in the Gospel on Tuesday. And we learned the Lord's Prayer. And someone might ask, well, if the Lord's Prayer is the perfect prayer, if it contains all prayers, why do we have to pray anything else? And St. Augustine says, well, you, there isn't anything, you can't pray something that's not included in the Lord's Prayer. But it doesn't mean that the only prayer we can ever say is the Our Father. In fact, anyone who seriously asks that question would be revealing that he doesn't understand prayer at all, because, it, 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 because to say this is the only prayer you could make turns the prayer into a formula to plug into a machine, and this is the one that works. And what happens to your relationship with your father if you can only say one thing? Can you imagine a father saying to his child, this is the only thing you can ever say to me? <laughs> you say, well, what kind of a father is that? So we again go back to prayer in the context of our relationship with God, God our Father. And of course we can say lots of things to God because a child can say lots of things to his or her Father, and the father wants to hear the cry of the heart of a child. All parents want to know what's going on in their children. Let's go to Esther here. Esther, you know the, you know the case. The, the Jews have been slated for annihilation. There's a complete, there's a decree from the king. All the Jews are going to be killed. And Esther's a Jew. And she says, well, I'm the only one, because she happens to be brought into the royal household as the queen, I'm the only one who can actually speak to the king about this and, and ask him not to do this. But the rule at the time was, if you just approach the king without being invited, you could be put to death. So Esther, in deciding to go and speak to the king, is putting her, taking her life in her hands. And that's what she says here. I'm, I'm taking my life in my hand. I'm taking the risk of being executed for, for, for interceding for my people. Lord, help me. So you can see the desperate case she's in, desperate situation she's in. 
She prays as someone who has no other hope and no other possibility. Only God can, can handle this one. In reading the, the prayer of Esther, Queen Esther, I, I again recall the, the collect that we use for the Mass today, opening prayer. It's related to this. This is what we said. Bestow on us, we pray, O Lord, a spirit of always pondering on what is right and of hastening to carry it out. So we're asking God for this, this uh, capacity, this spirit to ponder what is right, and that's pondering what we do, and, and carrying it out, putting, hearing the word and putting it into practice. So we're saying, Lord, make this possible for us. And then it, the prayer says, and since without you we cannot exist, may we be enabled to live according to your will. That line, without you we cannot exist, puts our prayer in perspective. We're not just talking to someone who can do us a favor. We're not just saying, you know, God, can't you do this or that for me? We're talking to the one without whom we cannot exist. We have absolute dependence on him. So when we come before him, we come before him with this absolute poverty. And we don't have anyone else who can change things the way God can. We, we, we're, it's, it, there's no relationship in our lives that's like our relationship with God because he is the one without whom we cannot exist. So we depend on him whether we pray or not. But when we pray, we pray with the awareness we are absolutely dependent on him. We are, we are in that sense, absolutely poor. We have nothing. And that's, that's the way Queen Esther speaks to the Lord. I don't have anything else. I don't have anyone else to turn to. But I am turning to you. So, Lord, help me. It's a beautiful example of prayer and in itself an instruction on prayer. We, we, we shouldn't enter into prayer as if we have some, something on our side, some bargaining chips that we can put before God and manipulate him into doing what we want. No, we can't exist without him. If we have anything that we claim as our own, we received it from him. Now, that doesn't mean that, that we're as, in, in as desperate a condition as it sounds to say, well, we don't have anything and God has everything and we, you know, we depend on him for our existence. It, it, it's not as bad as it sounds because of how good God is and because of our relationship with him. We are children, children of the king. Now, this brings us to the gospel where Jesus says, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open. Sounds like magic formula. Say it, just ask and you've got it. Plug in, plug in, the, plug in the, uh, the right words and you get the right result, like on a Google search or a vending machine. That's what it sounds like, but it can't mean that because, because what happens to our relationship with God if he just does whatever we tell him to do? Well, then we're God and he's our servant. And that's not the case. We're absolutely dependent on him. So what, what is, what's behind this? Jesus, after saying these very positive statements about prayer, ask, seek, and not, then goes on to reflect on how we treat our children. 
which one of you well, would give your son a stone if he asked for a fish? In other words, think about your own relationship with your own children, and then you'll understand something about your relationship as a child of God, what it means to be a child of God. Now, so we're children of a very rich and powerful king. We, we, we are members of the royal family. Maybe we have the advantage nowadays, you can, you can learn everything you ever possibly want to know about everybody, every public figure. Maybe it's a disadvantage too, because every scandal that comes up from the royal family or, or any, or any uh, uh, celebrity is immediately put in the headlines. But I think we, we know this, this, uh, this uh, dynamic. Very, very rich people are not always very good parents. And you know examples, I'm sure, of, of rich celebrities or, or royalty who spoil their children. They, they have everything, and so they give everything to their children. They, they want to make sure that their children have everything they possibly need and want. They, want to, they don't want their children to suffer. And no, no, parent want, no, no parent wants his or her children to suffer, but rich, these rich people who spoil their children end up ruining the children because they give them everything. Everything they ask for, everything they want, even the things they don't want. And you know what happens to the children? They, they end up being immature for life and, and they're spoiled. God doesn't do that to us, thanks be to God. He doesn't do that to us. He doesn't just cater to us. He doesn't indulge us. Why? Because it's not good for us. He doesn't prevent all our suffering. Parents, as they say, don't want their children to suffer. But if you do everything possible to prevent them from suffering, you don't help them because they don't grow. If you, Jesus says this, if you who are wicked know how to give good things to your children, meaning you who are, you know how to, most people have a basically good common sense when it comes to raising children. No one's perfect, of course, but most people don't spoil their children to a, to a, to a pathological degree. Just, you hear about them in the news, but most, most parents don't do that. Most parents can't do that because they don't have the means to indulge every possible whim of the children. Sometimes you see among poor, poor families, much healthier children because the parents don't have, they don't even think about providing everything for the children. They just give them what they, what the, what they basically need and they don't have any, anything else. And somehow the children come out more balanced that way because they don't think that they're, uh, you know, the, the princes of the world or they don't think that everything should go their way. They understand that we're poor. Like Esther. Esther's a queen, she has everything but she realizes she's poor. And anyone who prays has to realize we are poor. We're dependent on God. We're not, we don't, things just don't go the way we want. We can ask God for things, but we depend on him. He make, he's the one who makes the decisions. Okay, so, so this idea of how parents treat their children, good parents, I mean, good parents train their children. They want their children to grow. They want them to be able to face life. They want them to be able to be free and make decisions. They don't harbor, they don't uh, uh, prevent the children from experiencing any negative thing. And God doesn't do that either. That's why, I, that's why I'm, I'm bringing this up because when we hear ask, seek, and knock, 
it will make us think, well, then I'm going to ask that I never get sick again, that my children never get sick again, and that there's peace in the world, and God will do it. Well, no, he won't. We've been praying for peace in Ukraine for over a year. It hasn't worked yet. Well, we don't know why. God, only God knows what, how he's dealing with us rebellious children. But, but the, the point is, God is not only a good father, he's a perfect father. He's a perfect father, and he knows how much more does, will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him. So we're supposed to ask him, he wants us to ask him, but we, we're asking as, as poor, poor children, poor distorted children, in some ways stupid children, <laughs> but, but we don't know how stupid we are, so we just ask for what we think is important, and then we trust in God. That's right. Right prayer. When... When we do that, we're in the right position. And then God, who does do actually many good things for us every day, every day he showers us with goodness. When, that, when, that, when we're aware of that, then we can pray this psalm. Lord, on the day I called for help, you answered me. That's today. That was yesterday. And the day before yesterday, I called on God for help, and he helped me. Maybe he didn't do what I told him to do, but I'm still here. And he's still providing for me. And we're, you know, we're still here. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, with all my heart, for you have heard the words of my mouth. You heard me, Lord, and you did what was good for me. I, I know that's what you did yesterday. I know that's what you will do today, Lord. That's prayer. That's prayer. So with confidence in God, with awareness of our... That, that, Without God, we cannot exist with gratitude to God for all his goodness. That's the way we enter into prayer relating to our, our, our good, perfect, powerful, merciful Heavenly Father.